Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And uh, we are here with the first episode of Season 2 of Farscape. And is it just me, or was this not a great way to do a time skip? Um, it is just you, but you don't know that yet. The show gets a lot trippier from here on out. Okay. It, it becomes a lot less coherent. You know how in season one, they would just throw us in the middle of an episode in medias res, as we lit majors say, mm. um, with no context. And you'd be like, wait, did we start this episode at the beginning? That becomes part of the style of this show. So. I mean, I'm okay with that. It just seems weird that they're like, okay, so even though all of the characters are in the exact same positions they were when the last episode ended. It's actually six months later. Okay, so I guess what I'm saying is you're not wrong, but get ready for time to mean nothing. Mm. But as a style choice, not like on our previous podcast, Welcome to Storybrooke, where time meant nothing because if time meant the writers couldn't do whatever they wanted to do, they ignored it. Mm. And actually, speaking of that, I'm so glad that you gave me this like nice way to segue into what I wanted to do. All right. Since we're at the start of season two... I mean, season one for Farscape is so much table setting. It's so much getting you where you need to be. And I don't think you can skip season one of Farscape. And there are some great episodes in season one. Mm. But the show really kind of hits its stride as a... It really comes into its own. It figures out who it is, season two and going forward. And I know from showing you various episodes of Star Trek that you do like sci-fi when it's weird and off the wall. When it's not just people talking about fake science for, you know, 40 minutes. Oh my god, I don't... There are episodes of Star Trek we've seen where I'm like, how is anyone finding this entertaining? They're just saying made-up words at each other for long stretches of time. Oh no, the Carflaxalong drive isn't working. I guess we need to get more dilithium crystals. Uh-oh. Uh, I guess we need to synthesize them by poiping the what? Like, I know that uh, your least favorite kind of sci-fi is. Oh no, there's something wrong with the ship. We have to fix the ship. Mm -hmm. Which I appreciate. Farscape has been doing a lot less recently. Yeah, yeah, it has. And and when we when I was showing you Star Trek, the very first Star Trek episode I ever showed you was the Highland Sex Ghost episode of Next Generation because I knew that that was the kind of off the wall thing that you would appreciate. Yeah. So, with that in mind, I'm just going to quickly go through season two, okay? So, we've got the episode that we just watched, which really is, it's it's funny because it's called Mind the Baby Part 2, even though the previous episode is Family Ties Part 1. So, mm. Family Ties Part 1, Mind the Baby Part 2. It really is the bridge between season one and season two. It's kind of setting us up for what we are. Poor Moya, she gave birth to a teenager. She did, which is a proud sci-fi slash fantasy tradition, isn't it? Oh, God. We should add Talon to the list of characters who, like, age into teenagers overnight. Yeah, I mean, Talon is the Connor Angel of Farscape. Yeah, yeah. Does that mean that, um, what's his face? Ponytail guy. Crace? Yeah, does that mean that Crace is evil Cordelia? Or is Crace Holtz? Crace is Holtz. Yeah, right. Crace, Crace, Crace that, Holtz, that yeah. works so well, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I I threw it out there, but no, Crace is Holtz. And, uh... All right, so here's what we have coming up, though. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, the next episode is a Dargo-heavy episode. Ugh. After that, 
really dramatic, really intense character episode for Chiana. Off the wall episode. Intense character episode for Aaron and Moya. Off the wall episode. Intense character episode for Zan. Okay, then the one after that is an episode so bad that it's, it's my least favorite episode. I skipped all the time. That- what, what is it called? Dream a little dream. Hmm. Okay, off-the-wall episode, off-the-wall episode, a three-parter that's really just an amazing 90-minute movie. Eh, fine episode. Off-the-wall episode, intense character episode with John and Aaron. Uh, and I, the one after that is actually one I don't really remember, so I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, intense character episode with Chiana. Another three-parter that's an amazing movie. And then a season finale so intense that in my household, when we didn't have the season three DVDs, I got in the car and drove two hours to a store that had them. Hey, kids, let me tell you what the 2000s were like. I drove in a car two hours to go get them because I needed to see the next season immediately. I don't have those DVDs now. Someone took them when he moved out. Mm. 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 Anyway, so that's kind of like a preview of what we have coming up. All right. I just want to kind of set the table there for what we have. So is Face Guy not coming back until later, or is he going to be in this season? Scorpius? No, Face Guy. Stark. Yeah. Uh, no, Stark is coming back. Uh, he'll just... I thought he might not come back until they got rid of uh, Zan for good. Oh, I didn't mention it, but one of these one of these episodes is an episode where we get rid of Zan for good. We lose Zan this season. They actually do bring him back before Zan is gone for good, but it's a they have they have a short overlap. Virginia Hayes was only going to do that for so long. Yeah, I mean I can't blame her. I mean, look how much Jennifer Lawrence didn't want to be in uh, that makeup. Well, and it wasn't just an it wasn't just an issue of uh, applying it every day. It was like really bad for her system. Mm. I hate that Jennifer Lawrence, in an attempt to get out of being in more of the movies, she, you know the deal with Dark Phoenix, I do know the deal with Dark Phoenix. Why don't you tell our listeners the deal with Dark Phoenix? I'm sure most of them know, too. Yes, and I'm sure I've brought this up before, but Jennifer Lawrence did not want to be in Dark Phoenix. So, this is mostly conjecture, but she was like, hey, you remember the person who sank the series last time? I'm only going to be in these movies if you put him in charge of the Dark Phoenix movie. And they were like, okay. And she's like, really? Really? I I thought you would say no, but okay. I guess I'll be in the movie for 15 minutes before my character is killed off. Also, I'm not putting on any of the makeup. Also, I'm not going to act at all. Which, like, I know you're too famous for these movies now, but, like, if you're going to show up, you could at least put in, like, bare minimum effort. I mean, not just I'm not going to act at all, but I'm not going to act at all, and you're going to give me pivotal scenes. Yep. That, that movie's a mess from top to bottom. It just really, really is. The thing is, the Dark Phoenix movie is 20 minutes of really solid setup, and then like 70 minutes of completely failing to deliver on that setup. I have so many issues with that movie, but I... It, it gets you long enough for you to be like, I don't... What, what was everyone talking about? This movie's really solid, thus... Oh... Okay, oh. I'm just gonna put one. I'm just gonna put one thing in there. Okay. About the Dark Phoenix movie, the movie seems to think that they've done a good enough job of making us not side with the Dark Phoenix, and that's just flat out not the truth. The thing is, Jean has no reason to hang out with 
the Dabari. Like, they, they're they not, like, doing anything for her. She's just there because... Eh? Jean's barely a character in it. And, like, which... I know. Which is so bizarre given the fact that people are mad that all she did in X-Men The Last Stand was stand next to Magneto and then get stabbed by Wolverine at the end. Like, so they're like, hmm, for the Dark Phoenix movie, we need her to stand next to a woman so it's empowering this time when she doesn't do anything. Also, oh, suddenly the kids are calling you Phoenix because of the way it looked like you came back from the dead. Not that, not because of that time you shot a fiery bird out of your soul and obliterated an Egyptian god. Well, definitely not that because I remember going into the movie, your comment was, because you love Jean Grey, and your comment was, look, as long as they do one good Phoenix flare, I'm going to be fine with this movie. And yet somehow, (laughs) somehow, you put bar on the ground and somehow the movie managed to trip over it you did a phoenix flare in the last movie which wasn't about phoenix dark phoenix is literally in the title and you like oh look there's kind of a bird shape in the background if you squint hard a couple times like you did it right in the last movie why would you not do okay okay all right enough enough trashing on this terrible the terrible x-men movie (laughs) Let's talk about Farscape. Yes. This episode was directed by Andrew Prowse, mm-hmm. who you will recall directed the premiere episode of last season. Yes. Which was just called Premiere. And he also directed uh, Bone to be Wild, so not the... The, the, the Bone Eater episode. Yes. I'm, 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 I'm Bone Vampire. Yeah. And several other episodes, but... Mm. Uh, this episode was written by Richard Manning, who wrote many episodes last season, including Nerve, which is the one where they go into the gamut base. Hmm. To get the cure for Aaron, which looking back now that we've watched all the season one episodes, I think might be my second favorite episode of season one after a human reaction. Uh, Richard Manning also wrote that old Black Magic, which is the Maldus episode, which I bring up only because that's the weirdest least sciency episode and Nerve is arguably like the most action-packed episode. <laughs> like he's both ends of the spectrum there. Do you want to be here, Richard Manning? I mean, I feel like he does. He's doing it all. Wait, did you not like that old black magic with Maldus? It was fine. It was fine. (laughs) It was pretty solid middle ground for Farscape. I mean, it actually had Ponytail Guy in it, so. I mean, it was. Crace. It's the most Crace that we get, I think, in season one. Which is bizarre because it's supposed to be kind of the premise of the show is that they're running from this guy. I didn't realize it till we were taking each episode individually. I'm like, huh, there really isn't a lot of Crace, is there? I mean, honestly, I think he gets more time in this episode than he got in all of season one. Well, and Crace will continue to be a character, so he'll, we'll get a lot more Crace going forward than we got in season one, which is weird. So the episode opens, I know I said that, I know I said that season two gets even more what is time. Mm Mm-hmm. So we open not just in the middle of a battle, but the middle of a battle that we're going to find out is not really happening. It's all in Zan's head. Yeah. Zan's kind of like meditating and while the ship is under attack by those frog belching, by those fire belching frog dudes. The Xiang. PK Tech Girl. Yeah. And uh, Gianna's like, Zan, you need to snap out of it and help us. 
Dargo's gone, Crichton's gone, Aaron's gone, which makes it, you know, seem like this is directly after. Right. Except, you know, they weren't under attack by a Xiang ship. Yeah, but they wiped out, so theoretically they could have wiped right into the middle of wherever the Xiang are. That's true. That's accurate. Yeah, she's calling for Dargo to come save them, and obviously he's not there, and they get hit, and it's a palpable hit. And then we cut back to an asteroid where... John is trying to talk Dargo into not being dead. Which is another thing where it seems like, you know, okay, we're picking up where we left off because it was like Dargo was dead. But nope, it's actually been, you know, a while. And John says, like, hey, you've been out for a while. He says days, but apparently it's been longer than days because they've been through a whole bunch of other stuff. Lots of stuff has happened. I mean... I guess, theoretically, everything that's happened could have happened in days? Oh, I think it's like that thing you said where you could describe any passage of time as seconds because you don't say how many seconds. So, theoretically, days could cover weeks or months or eins, arns. Arns, arns, which is Farscape for years. Hmm. Yeah, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I think there might actually be some... uh, once upon a time DNA in here. I guess it just has been days since the last episode, but a lot happened in those days. So, mm. yeah. I don't know if it's just like different sound quality or like if the recording's different, but Darko sounds really really different to me in this episode. Like his voice seems a lot less harsh. Like, it, it sounds like the actor is doing a different voice for Dargo now. I honestly kind of was like, is that a different actor at first? But I, I Maybe he's he might have started doing a less rough voice. He might have realized that he can't do that rough voice for five more years. Mm. Maybe Julie Kavner should have taken a... Uh, Page out of that book. God. Her voice is... If you listen, if you watch Modern Simpsons, you can hear in Marge's voice, Julie Kavner has just... She tried her voice. Yeah, I mean, the Marge voice is not something one is meant to do for decades on end. It I mean, hurts my throat to listen to it. And it's like, I've seen a couple episodes of Rhoda, which is not a good show, but that's not her natural speaking voice. No, I don't think anyone thought that was her natural speaking voice. Well, I mean, I, I think that's why it's messed her up so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so Dargo, so Anthony Simcoe, who plays Dargo, he could be pulling back a little bit. But also, we realized that we switched from watching these episodes on Google Play to watching them on DVD. So that also could be, that also could account for the difference. Yeah, could be a factor there. So it has been an unspecified period of time later, days. John lets Dargo know that they survived because Aaron picked him up on the Prowler. Now, Which I thought she wasn't able to do because, you know, S&M Alien was browsing around looking for them. But eh. Right, they don't deal with that. I guess, I mean, presumably he was going to move away eventually. So I guess he moved away as soon as we stopped watching the show. Let's say Mo. <laughs> yeah. And Aaron is, has left him on this asteroid so Dargo can heal, but she's out now in the Prowler. And then we see that she has taken that Prowler over to Talon because she is in communication with Krace, the guy who stole the teenage ship. Yeah, apparently she and Krace have this weird divorced parents co-parenting a kid thing going on with Talon. 
Yeah, so Aaron can communicate with Talon, and she did, she agreed to help Crace figure out how to communicate with Talon in exchange for Crace helping her find an asteroid to hide Dargo and John while Dargo recovered. Yeah, so right now, Crace is being fun dad to Talon, whereas Aaron's being like, mom who wants you to eat your vegetables and not murder people with your guns. Yeah, yeah. The analogy starts to fall apart because Aaron also wants Talon to go home to his mom. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh... Dargo and John are having guy bonding, you know, time about him. Oh, how long was I without oxygen? Oh, long enough to scare me, big guy. Man punch, man punch on the arm. That's funny that you're seeing that as, like, a guy thing, because to me that was, let's vague it up. Let's keep it vague about how long they were actually out there. (sighs) The show's, like, refusing to commit to an actual time frame. John also tells Dargo that... Moya got away, but that Talon was stolen by Crace. And Dargo's like, Talon is a terrible name. I hate that name. What kind of jerk would name a chip Talon? The worst name ever. And wah wah, it's Aaron's dad's name. Yeah, Aaron comes in and she's like, yeah, I named it after my dad. Jerk. Jerk face. (laughs) Honestly, it's not even, it's not a bad name for a ship. I think it's a great name for a ship. It's a weird name for a dude, but... Yeah, they're peacekeepers. So, Erin was kind of bum out of luck when she was searching for food and or water. Well, she said she was searching for food, but she was really hanging out on talent with Crace, which John does not know she's been doing. Mm. So she says she didn't have any luck, but actually, she was, uh, I don't know, associating with a bad crowd? (laughs) Bad crowd being Crace. Crace is a bad crowd all by himself. So, John is sort of playing catch-up for the audience at this point. He's like, hey, look, we can't just bum around here forever. Scorpius is going to find me and suck the juicy, juicy portal knowledge out of my brain. The wormhole knowledge. Is that? I guess that's not how Leviathans... No, wormholes don't have anything to do with how Leviathans starburst. Okay, because they do seem... I guess it seems similar, but no, yeah, it's different. Yeah, just on the surface, they seem to be very similar, but... Yeah, no, it's not the same thing. Yeah, they have to stay on this asteroid because Scorpius can't see them on the asteroid. And if they leave, then Scorpius's command carrier will take them out because a command carrier is like a giant military ship and it will be, it will be bad times for everyone. Shouldn't Scorpius be dealing with, like, the fact that all of his dudes are dead now? Well. I mean, I know he was probably pretty isolated or whatever on the Gamic base. Did he get the chair off the Gamic base before it blew up? Because I'm assuming that it wasn't just a set piece for that one thing, but it seems weird that he would bring it with him on what seemed like a, you know, relatively short mission. I mean, I guess he has the technology to build another Aurora chair. Because I'm, I'm guessing the Aurora chair comes back later. Honestly, honestly, I don't remember if we see the Aurora chair again. Oh, okay. It seemed like such a set piece thing. Right? Like, you're right. Why would you build that whole thing? Well, I mean, I guess it was for several episodes. Yeah. So, but but to answer the first question, Scorpius isn't dealing with the fact that his guys died because their entire reason for existence was to find wormhole technology, and John has it in his head. So, his his number one goal right now is to uh, get inside John's head. Nothing else matters. And like Plan B for getting the wormhole technology, everyone on the Gamic base 
They're gone now. So John has made himself not only plan A, but the only viable plan. So. Thanks, cricket aliens. Oops. <laughs> oops. Back on Moya, everyone's trying to deal with the fact that they're a skeleton crew. And also, like, it's kind of the least useful people to be on a skeleton crew. <laughs> Rigel, Chiana, and Zan, who might be helpful, but I'm... is going through, like, a whole thing now where she won't deal with anybody. Yeah, she's trying to reach the next Pau level through meditating really hard and de-emotionifying herself. Yeah, she's decided to go back to her priest tract, which means she's doing, you know, nothing to actually help with the situation. Mm. We see that Rigel's in a bad way. He won't even eat because, I mean, he won't say he's upset, but he won't eat. Yeah, Moya's insisting on going back to the asteroid field to look for Talon, even though the whole point of Starbursting Away... Well, I guess the point of Starbursting Away was to say, stay safe temporarily so you could come back and find Talon later. But the rest of the skeleton crew doesn't want to do that because... Because they're all going to be blown to hell. Yeah. Chiana sees the defense shield that they got also in... PK Tech Girl. Yeah. Which is basically a ball of duct tape, and she's like, Really? Really? This is going to protect us from the peacekeepers? And Pilot's like, look, I'm doing my best, but Moya's coming back for her kid, and look, you don't have <laughs> options here. Yeah, right? This train is moving. Like, get on the train or leave. But they, yeah, well, yes. I was going to say they can't really leave, although, well, we'll talk about that. Mm. <laughs> you don't like it? There's the door you can't go out of. <laughs> right? Uh, Pilot brings up, because he's trying to bring Chiana and Rigel along to his point of view, he's like, well, we might find Aaron and John and Dargo. Maybe, maybe we'll save them, too. Maybe you won't suddenly be in charge of this crew, random person we picked up, like, five episodes ago. Right? I mean, Chiana just got there. Poor Chiana must be like, this is supposed to be my day off. I don't even go here. Spoiler alert for The Good Place, skip ahead like 15 seconds, but she's basically Michael in the penultimate episode. Yes, yes. So we cut to Chris. Mm, I'm going to keep saying Chris, mm, even though he was not in season one. So we cut to Scorpius on the command carrier. He's getting his batteries changed. His assistant has taken off her terrible red wig and is just... Taking, she's removing a red tube from his brain, and she's sticking a blue tube in. Yeah, now that she's taken off her wig, she's blonde, so Peacekeeper Barbie makes more sense as it, a nickname. It makes way more sense, and also we know she's gonna die. This isn't charmed. This isn't charmed, but I, I'm just saying, how many blonde women have we seen actually stick around in this show? Mm, that is a good question. I mean, I guess we've only had one, but she's dead. Have we only had one? I guess we had John's ex-girlfriend who was imaginary. Yeah. We had John's imaginary ex-girlfriend, and then we had his actual girlfriend, PK Tech Girl. Mm. Yeah, she's changing out the cooling rods in Scorpius's uh, brain. And I just want to bring up this scene because it really reminds me of the moment in Star Wars where you see Darth Vader being lowered into his mask, like, from behind. Mm. And... Just the realization that this is a man, a man with an actual physical weakness. It's not just a robot. It's not just a robot. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same kind of moment here. Like, Scorpius is 
I mean, not a man, but he, he, he is a living being who requires upkeep and... Things to be shoved in his brain. Yeah. So his assistant guy, who is formerly, I guess, Crace's assistant guy. The lieutenant, uh-huh. Oh, um, Crace's assistant lady was also a blonde woman who died on the oh, show. Oh, yeah. Huh. Okay, so does just Maybe all... this is charmed. Does just all pop culture hate blonde women? I, I know that's not true. <laughs> maybe Maybe all pop culture hates women in general and allows more blonde women on TV, so. Oh, gosh, grim. Too dark. I mean... Not necessarily inaccurate, but dang, grim. So the assistant guy's like, hey, should maybe we not spend all of our time just bumming around waiting to try to find that guy with the uh, wormholes in his brain? And Scorpius is like, there is literally no plan B. Literally all I want to do is find this one guy. And that poor lieutenant is like, oh my god. I just got out of this. Second verse save is the first, right? I'm going to go try to avoid the bone vampire that's eating all of the crew off screen presumably right we never deal with what happened with the bone vampire <laughs> anyway back on talon crace is trying to you know have some sort of control of talon scorpius has been sending signals to like get him all riled up yeah Scor- scorpius has been like i don't know what would honk off teenagers doing anything? He's been doing something in range of of uh, Talon, so. Yeah, he wants, he, basically he wants Talon to expose himself so that he can capture Talon, so that he can get John. And Aaron calms him because she is the one who knows what's up. She's in a, in, the, in this episode, she's in a like. Ripley cosplay. Yeah, right? She's wearing a white tank top that has gone gray with all of the work she's been doing. Yes, it's very Sigourney Weaver in Alien. And I guess this is going to be Crace's thing now. He's kind of proposing that they co-parent Talon. And Aaron's like, I have my loyalties, Crace, and they're not to you, even though we've been having these secret rendezvous for however long this has been going on. Seriously, the time skip is very not clear. Well, I mean, on... The gamut base, when she ran into Crace, she tried to kill him. So their relationship has evolved quite a bit in a short period of time. Well, I mean, it, co-parent is the right definition. They are, they are being drawn together by the fact that they both care about this ship. So Aaron's trying to figure out a next step. And, you know, Crace is like, we can just leave. It's Which, if they can just leave, why not load John and you know, Dargo onto the ship and just leave with them. Well, Talon's starburst isn't working yet, and Talon's guns don't work yet. So it wouldn't be too much different to leave in Talon than to leave in Aaron's uh, Prowler. I think Crace is ready to leave because he's ready to get away from them. But, like, he's just going to get all blowed up by, uh, what's his bucket if he leaves? Yes, but he has the confidence of a mediocre white man. Mm. So... John and Dargo are killing time by playing rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Yes, or... this is important. John is teaching Dargo how to play rock, paper, scissors. Yes. And Dargo does not understand how paper could possibly defeat rock. Which is fair. It's fair. Well, the logic behind it isn't great. You know, paper wraps up rock. But, but So what? Rock would clearly just rip through paper. I don't know, maybe the pa- maybe the paper is a document ordering the destruction of a quarry. 
That actually does make more sense. Uh, that, that's a... Uh... And the scissors are the ones that you use to stab the bureaucrat to stop the paperwork from going through. Yes. And then I... the rock is the one you, you, you use to kill the guy who stabbed the bureaucrat. I mean, these jokes have all been covered pretty, pretty cleverly in the original Arrested Development before it came to Netflix. I know, right? Let's not even get into the Netflix seasons of Arrested Development, which legit I want to write about. They're so bad that I'm like, are these... No, it's fascinating. Are these meant to alienate the audience? They're viscerally unpleasant in a way that I have to imagine was intentional, because I don't think you can unintentionally make something that discomforting. Right? Like, it's this sort of bizarre art, I guess... It really reminds me of Brechtian theater. Because, like... What, what What's the line? Maybe the presence of a narrative at all is comforting. Yes, right? From The Office? Yeah. <laughs> John pulls Aaron aside. He, Aaron interrupts their game. And uh, John pulls her aside and is like, Hey, what's going on here? Like, this is not something we can do indefinitely. We're, we're going to start starving soon. We need a plan. He also knows that she's hiding something. And to demonstrate that he knows her, like he knows her intrinsically, he says, how many times have we saved each other's life? She says, I've lost count. He says, how many times have we been close? And she's like, um, just the one time. Which is referring to the time they uh, doinked inside the cricket alien's mind sphere thing yes in a human reaction god how weird is it thinking that the first time you had sex with your partner it was inside a mind sphere while you were being watched by cricket aliens i don't know if that's more or less weird than the first time he had sex with chiana and honestly the first time he had sex with zan's pretty weird too as part of a plot to murder a space wizard oh no wait that's when she was having sex with the red guy no no as part of a plot as part of a plot to overthrow a rebellious sect of her religion mm. which caused her to abandon her religion except not really because her priest status has been so massively inconsistent well she's definitely back to trying to be a priest now so at least there's some consistency there mm. anyway john's point is that he knows aaron really well he he's like i didn't mean how many times have we had sex i meant how many times have we been close as as people who love each other emotionally and she's like ugh, men and their emotions <laughs> Yes. But... Ugh, is this this thing you humans call friendship? This must be the emotions you human know as blood. Those feelings you're feeling are what most people call feelings. <laughs> anyway, John's like, I know you're hiding something. Oh, I'm sorry. Your emotion chip was actually turned up 300%. And I barely felt anything <laughs> at all. All right. Enough, enough references to other pop culture. <laughs> says okay well i have to tell you something that you're gonna hate but um i made a deal with Crace to save you and i've been in communication with him and talon and john's like that is unacceptable and aaron's like i said you wouldn't like it i i said you wouldn't like it therefore you're not allowed to be mad now that is the logic that's the rule so yeah like the only reason you guys aren't dead is because Crace has been helping me out so maybe cut me some slack and they're like, no, no, F you. I would rather be dead than owe Crace one. And she's like, you don't really owe Crace one. She owes Crace one, though. Yeah. Does she, though? Does <laughs> she owe Crace one? To what degree is the owing of one something that exists in the lawless zone or the uncharted territory? 
all of the zones have names like that in the Galaxy of Terror. Speaking of Talon being a teenager, mm-hmm. Aaron lets John know that even though Talon was, like, running away from Moya, as soon as Moya starburst out, Talon got really upset and refused to listen to Grace anymore. Talon's just doing whatever it takes so that the plot won't move forward. Talon is Connor, Angel. I, it's funny, though. I hate Connor on Angel, but I have so much affection for Talon. Maybe because he's not played by Pete Campbell. I mean... The thing is, I'm like, I guess it's good casting because the character's so whiny, (laughs) but it's like, he's so annoying. He's so, you'd think a warrior guy who grew up in a hell dimension would be less like a regular teenager, but he's not. Teens are teens no matter where they're from. Yeah. Teens are teens, whether they're vampire children who were raised in a hell dimension, or ships that are hybrids that shouldn't exist in nature. Teens are still teens. John and Dargo have a brief argument about who gets to go try to beat up Crace because they both have a pretty good claim to uh, hate Crace. Mm. And John has them rock, paper, scissors for it. And, which I like. I like that now they have a quick shorthand way to resolve conflicts. John wins by throwing scissors to Dargo's paper and takes off to go confront Crace. It's weird. I don't think of Dargo as a paper person. I, I forgot that John threw scissors and Dargo threw paper because if I was playing rock, paper, scissors with Dargo, I would always throw paper because I would assume he would always throw rock. Thank you. Yeah, I'm like, he de- he's definitely a good old rock, nothing beats that guy. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Gianna is desperately trying to hold things together on Moya, and she's like, Hey, Zan, you were here before me, and you're usually one of the more competent members of the team, even though we personally don't like each other. Can you, like, get off your ass and help me? And Zan's doing a kind of meditation that makes it look like she's flipping Gianna off. She really is. It's called the Delvian Seek. Mm. They know Seek's like an actual religion, right? No, no, it's Seek, S-E-E-K, like looking for like search. Yeah, but it, it's pronounced the same. Yeah, it's awkward. That's that's fair. Yeah. Chiana's like, "Look, I, religion's great, whatever. You need to help us because we're all going to die if you don't." And Zen's like, "Ah, but death like all else is just an illusion, and our consciousnesses are spread out across time and space and color and taste and smell and pants." And orange and gray and purple. And Shannon's like, no, this isn't helpful. We're all gonna die. <laughs> Basically. Back on the asteroid, Aaron's really pissed off that John has gone to confront Christ. She's like, okay, well, now we're all gonna die on this asteroid. And Dargo's like, um, Christ is an unreliable dickhead, so we were all gonna die anyway. At least now we'll die having killed Christ. Fair. I, I also, like, Aaron says to Dargo, you know, he he abandoned the peacekeepers. I This is important because it gives Aaron a reason to relate to Krace. Krace is like her in that he's now, you know, a man with no squad. Hmm. Uh, she says, you know, he abandoned the peacekeepers. And Dargo says, very intelligently, I think, now he's a man whose only loyalties are to himself. That makes him more dangerous, not less. Hmm. So... Meanwhile, Crace is uh, pretending that he's still working for uh, SNM alien guy. He's like, 
calling him and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm looking for John so hard. You won't believe how hard I'm looking for John. He's like, I'm just pretending to be working with Aaron so that she'll tell me where John is. But really, I'm working with you. Wink. I'm totally on your side still. And Scorpius is losing it remarkably quickly. Like, he's becoming the new Crace at an alarming speed. I'm just, having to deal with Crace is going to make anyone turn into Crace. It's how Crace reproduces. <laughs> yes, through annoyance. He reproduces through annoyance. He's like a zombie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Except with whining instead of biting. Scorpius says that if Crace actually brings him John, he'll let him keep Talon. And Crace is like, I am on your side. I'm doing my best. Don't worry about it. Which, which, like, is that really that big of an incentive? Like, Crace's thing has always been, you know, he wants John. Like, yes, he also wants this new ship, but isn't John still his primary goal, more or less? Well, Crace has moved on now. Scorpius doesn't know that, you're right, but Crace has moved on. He's like, whatever, I know that John didn't kill my brother, I'm over it. <laughs> okay, so then John swings in with, like, John became a sitcom character in he, the- Yeah, he enters Talon like Kramer coming into Seinfeld's apartment. Yeah, and he, he's got a gun out and then he starts waggling his hands around and he's like, Sorry, I was just in the neighborhood and thought I'd drop in, wah, 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 wah. And Grace is like, what? What What are you doing? I, I don't have context for this. They don't have- Peacekeepers don't have sitcoms, John. I don't know what you're doing here. Um- John does gradually lose his grip in the next couple of seasons as the things he has to deal with become more and more absurd. <laughs> so I do love how Chris is like, okay, John, I don't know what you're doing. What would you like? Why are you here? And John's like, oh, there's a lot of things I'd like. I'd like a, I'd like a cup of sugar. I'd like a couple of eggs. I'd like the last several months of my <laughs> life back. And Chris is like, I don't know what sugar or eggs are. Also, I, I don't know what to tell you. you. Time doesn't work like that, John. You can't just give people time back. So they have this weird conversation where John's like, I should kill you. And Chris is like, meh, 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 Which Chris is very confident in his ability to not be shot by John. So John is willing to die in the exchange of, of weaponry if it means that Talon is free of Chris and... Crace doesn't seem to believe him, mostly because he's a man who's only ever been on his own side. And Crace is like, look, all I want to do is take this ship and go into the Uncharted Territories and never talk to any of you again. So just let me do that and you'll never see me again. And then John starts making all of these midlife crisis jokes, which again, mean nothing to Crace. I mean, I know he's just doing it for himself. But... He's like, enjoy your midlife crisis, but you can't keep the Porsche. I mean, Talon is a shiny black and red transport vessel that, like, has big guns and goes fast. It's, I, I, I mean, Mid I, I know a lot of times John is making references that make no sense to the people around him. And it's like, who is this for, John? But, I mean, how could you possibly not make a midlife crisis reference given what's happening and given what Talon is? I mean, he's kind of phallus-shaped, but I guess basically all, uh, basically all starships are, except for, um... The Millennium Falcon, which is, of course, a flying anus. Well, I mean, actually, well, I actually think Moya and Talon are some of the least phallus-shaped vessels of any uh, spaceships. 
But apparently phallus was the word of the day because John says it and then a bunch of guns drop from the ceiling and start pointing at him. <laughs> yep, yep. Chris is like, hey, guess what? It turns out that uh, I don't have complete control of the ship yet, but it still obeys me and it definitely wants to kill you if you're going to kill me. So John, you know, doesn't kill Kray so that Talon doesn't kill him. Okay, so I know we're kind of pushing this metaphor, but John is sort of Talon's mom's new boyfriend. Okay. In this metaphor. Yeah. So Kray is a bad dad, but he's also, you know, been around for longer. So the loyalty is to the familiar thing that's been around. Also, he like is trying to be fun dad, as you brought up. So, uh. Yeah. Meanwhile, Moya is trying desperately to find Talon. She's, you know, blurfing her way back into the asteroid field. And everyone inside her, except for Zan, is worried because, you know, they're all going to die. Chiana tells Rigel, she's like, hey, what if we stole John's ship, the Farscape 1, and just took off? Is that still functional, like, at all? Yeah, it is. And, and presumably when they're not about to die you know, between episodes, he's been going out in it and collecting more data. <laughs> I, I love to, Pilot's like, you know, you could just take one of the transport pods and get out of here if you're so worried and we'll swing by and pick you up later. And then Chiana's like, no, Pilot, we would never leave you. Which, number one, you're inside Moya. Pilot can hear everything you say. But number two, why, why not? not? Like, Pilot doesn't seem all that chuffed about it. Like, I mean, he's, like, a little chuffed, but not super chuffed. And, like, and po- and I, I they- mean, he might, uh, although, really, my, my suspicion, if I were Chiana and uh, Rigel, is that Pilot would just be like, well, they're gone now. I mean, that is, that's a strong suspicion. Yeah, that, that might happen. The, the thing about Leviathans, though, is they don't need a crew. Like, they don't need Chiana and you Rigel. Know, you know, after I said it, we we got this big shot of Moya, and I'm like, you know what? You're right. She is. She's shaped like female anatomy, not male anatomy. Yeah. She's basically that chart you see. Yeah. Everywhere. She. She looks like. Yeah. She. You got the. You've got the uterus and the fallopian tubes and yeah. Well played, Farscape. <laughs> of course, Andromeda also kind of looked like that. Okay. The thing about Andromeda mm-hmm. is that it's got the two like side things that you would that would be the fallopian tubes if you were labeling it as a as a on a diagram mm-hmm. but the middle section that would be the the uterus if you were labeling it is so phallic shaped that to me it just looks like two arms on either side of a phallus that are gonna like like grab onto your legs and then like use their energy to like push in harder uh you weren't thinking it was some sort of genital merge no no i mean there's a reason that uh Luxodoic had to be the physical form of the ship so that kevin sorbo could have a case of the not gaze so, yeah, even though the Andromeda has those, like, side wings, to me it seems like one of the more phallic ships. Hmm. It's weird that it kind of... Uh, I'm, I'm just judging from the preview, but it seems weird that the new season of Star Trek Discovery is basically Andromeda. I mean... Like, from the preview, I don't know if that's actually what's going on, but it's like they're flung into the future, and they're trying to restart the Federation in the future, and I'm like, that's basically the plot of Andromeda. It is. Okay, so a couple of things about that. I I need to catch up on Discovery, by which I mean watch any of it at all. Mm-hmm. It's not that weird in that it is, I mean, Andromeda is a Gene Roddenberry project. It is his script, so I can see 
cannibalizing those scripts for Star Trek content. It's, I mean, the movie and then a lot of next gen cannibalized stuff that was supposed to be in the sequel series for, for their, for their scripts. And also Andromeda is terrible because the Federation that Hercules is trying to set up seems so fascist compared to like people just wandering around doing their thing. And he seems terrible because he just goes around and yells at people for not being Federation. That What? I hate that show so much. And well, uh, it, it, Kevin, like, it, it's 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 fun because it's basically things were better in my day. The show, it's like the most conservative you could possibly make a show about, you know, sci-fi. It, it's the most conservative sci-fi show ever created. Kevin Sorbo's conservative nature just seems so on display in that show. I, also, that show goes massively up his butt because it's like... Uh, like, there's a series of genetically engineered super beings, you know, that are, like, superior to humankind in every way. But Kevin Sorbo can beat them up because, you know, he, he's the best man ever. And, you know, you can't genetically engineer anyone better than uh, a real American man. Yeah. There's an... I don't want to get into Andromeda, which makes me so angry. Like, it makes my blood boil. Oh. Are, are you talking about the episode where he liberates those kids into space? Oh, my God. It's so bad. It's so... Okay, but... but... What, what if Team America was serious? Yes! Okay, but to go back to Discovery, I can see enjoying it if the show was about, like, rebuilding after a galaxy-spanning war. Like, that... Basically Andromeda, but make it leftist? Like, like our world has been decimated. Let's build a liberal utopia here. Like, let's build what Star Trek aspires to be. Isn't that kind of the point of Star Trek, though? That it's a post-capitalist society? Yeah, Star Trek is utopian fiction. And and honestly, in the year 2020, I feel like we could use some utopian fiction. Mm. It's weird how many uh, right-wing nerds like Star Trek, considering the fact that it is blatantly, you know... It's blatantly anti-capitalist. Yeah. Right? Like, what, what, what are you seeing in this? So back to Farscape, uh, Moya is heading back into the asteroid field, and everyone's all fatalistic, except San, who's, you know, in her weird hippie brain phase. She's gooping it up. Mm, Yes. Serious Gwyneth Paltrow vibes. There's a prowler that's trying to land on Moya, and it won't communicate with them because, you know, they're surrounded by other people. They don't want their communications picked up. But there's a chance that it's Aaron, so Shiana is like, okay, let it land. And then she goes to the loading dock with guns just in case it's not, <laughs> just in case it's not Aaron. Which it isn't. No, it's not. It's John and Grace. <gasps> Dun, dun, dun. Chiana has a gun out and she's like, how do I know that it's you, John, and not like some virus that's taking you over? Replicant or... Yeah, one of the many things that you could have in a sci-fi series. Alternate reality version of you. Robot. Duplicate? Yep. A replicant? Clone. Anyway, John says, you want to check my birthmarks? And I guess that snark was enough for Chiana to know it's him. Wow, it would be really easy to infiltrate as John. Just be snarky and make pop culture references that nobody gets? Yeah. Yeah. 
you say like that's what the queen of bismarck said or must be tuesday again and i'll be like yeah that's probably john so john has Crace tied up and is like all right let's lock him in a cell and shauna's like oh it is you and she drops the gun and she jumps into his arms in like this cgi manner oh my god it's so awful like they cut to a wide shot and then she like i have to go my planet needs me up into the air and then i guess i don't have to go my planet doesn't need me after all's back down like it is the cheapest looking thing in the universe I, although I thought it might be wire work. And not. I think it might be wire work. You're right. You're right. I said CGI. It might be wire work. It wasn't worth it, guys. But whatever whatever you had to do to do that, it wasn't worth it. Yeah. So she takes him to see Zan because she's like, look, we need your help. Zan has gone. Full poltro? Real extra weird. And uh, John's like, hey, Zan, how you doing? And Zan's like, I'm doing everything at once because the universe exists in me and i exist in the universe and and i see through time and i taste space and i smell sound and i hear colors and john everything that ever is or ever was has already happened so you don't need to worry and i don't need to re-establish a relationship with you because we are all things to each other at all times and john's like uh, Zan says, I'm sorry I shouted at you. And John says, when did you shout at me, Zan? And Zan says, on Litigaria, the lawyer planet. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real thing that we're going to deal with. I hate oh, it. God. I hate it. So- that's, that's the episode that's my least favorite episode that's coming up. So is it like mobster planet from Star Trek? But with lawyers instead of mobsters. Oh, that's so stupid. Well, it sounds more like meme world because Mobster Planet was at least kind of fun. Although, how you have to wonder how it functions if the only thing they do is crime. Like, society needs to exist for crime to exist. You can't have a society that's built entirely off the concept of crime. You can't have an underground market if there's no ground. <laughs> Everything can't be part of the underground. Then it's just the ground. But- anyway, yeah, Zan... Zan- has become disconnected through time because she's meditating too hard and she's too good at meditating. And John's like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't deal with this. I, I, I will deal with this later. Zan, you need to come back to Earth. And she's like, ah, but is Earth not just an illusion in your primitive monkey man brain? Well, Zan thinks John died. John's like, I'm not dead. And Zan's like, I know John. To me, because all time is one to me, you will always be alive. But I know that you are dead. Let me give you a... Let me give you a Delvian hand job. It's, and she just kind of doinks him slightly on the side of uh, his head with her head. And he's it, like, whoa! It's a Delvian ear job. She, like, pushes her ear against his ear. Right? Because, like, sex is the forehead to the forehead. So she just, like, brushes his ear against his ear and it, like, sends a shock through him. I was translating it to the human equivalent. I mean, the human equivalent of ears are ears, though. Yes, but we don't derive sexual... The vast majority of humanity does not derive sexual pleasure from ear touching. I'm sure there are some people out there who do. Okay, fair. But transliterating it to the baseline human experience, she gave him the Delphian equivalent of a handjob. Yeah. Meanwhile, (laughs) Dargo and Aaron are hashing it out. Dargo's trying to play solitaire rock, paper, scissors... 
And he keeps getting a tie. Like, every time he throws something, it he ties because he's just playing against himself. So he's like, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, both rock. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, both scissors, tie. This is why he should start using that tiny brain that he has in his rear end. Uh, actually, I, I want you to put a pin in this moment. Dargo is playing rock, paper, scissors against himself and keeps coming up a tie. I would like to pin this moment up in the corner and we will unpin it next season. All right. Yes. Everyone remember. And those of you who have watched the series know exactly what I'm talking about. Is this going to lead into the cartoon episode somehow? No. You know there's a cartoon episode? Yeah. Oh. Where Dargo's trying to kill John for some reason. There's a lot happening in the cartoon episode. So they're talking about how they're low on food and, you know, Darko's like, why don't we just go out there and die fast instead of the slow dying thing? And Aaron's like, because we might come up with a way to not die if we do the slow dying thing. And he's like, well, if I die first, feel free to eat me. And she's like, oh, buddy, that was already on the table. <laughs> so back in Peacekeeper Town, things are not going well. Scorpius is like, he's losing it remarkably quickly. Well, I... Maybe. I mean, maybe he's losing it, but he also, but he's also coming up with a plan for catching Moya. Essentially, he's going to try to lure her out of the asteroid field, but follow and follow behind her where her sensors can't pick it up. Wait till she's out of the asteroid field and far enough away from it that she can't jump back in there and hide more and then take her and then take John because he assumes John is still alive. Hmm. And just, I mean, he kind of has to. If he yeah, if he doesn't assume John's alive, what's the point of any of this? He he lets us he he tells his lieutenant that once John is taken alive, he can kill everyone else, just so that we know the stakes. Just so you know, in case you were doubting it, the S and M alien is definitely going to kill all of our main characters if he gets the chance. Hmm. Sometimes you can tell who the bad people are because they're ugly. Thanks, Disney. So John's having. You know how everyone had their Wizard of Oz goodbyes last episode? Yes. We're getting the reverse of that now, where he's, you know, re-greeting everyone. He's like, oh my god, it's my favorite Hanerian. I totally, you know, I I got over the fact that you attempted to screw us all over to save your own life. Although I guess he did that before they said their Wizard of Oz goodbyes before, but... Honest to God, they should be way more mad at Rigel. They should definitely be way more mad at Rigel. What's weird is John swung around to pick up Dargo and Aaron before he had these moments. And if I'm not going through the episode scene by scene, that's fine. That makes sense to me. But now that I am, it's weird that he had his Zan moment before he swung by to pick up Dargo and Aaron. Like, that moment should have come after. But I guess maybe they put it before because they thought it would have been too awkward if it came back to back with his Rigel moment? Mm, I mean, honestly, I think it would make more narrative sense for his Rigel moment to come, you know, right after his Zan moment. I, I think that narratively would have worked better, but whatever. It's weird. It's, it's a weird choice that they made. Anyway, Rigel starts, it sounds like he's choking, so John tries to, like, Heimlich maneuver him. And he farts because, you know. Well, Aaron lets him know that he has a thing that when Hynerians feel, feel a lot of emotion, they basically get the hiccups. They have Hynerian emotion hiccups. It, apparently when Hynerians feel strong emotions, it makes it hard for them to breathe. Their throats close up. So, that seems evolutionarily disad, it, disadvantageous. I don't know. Uh, 
because I feel like part of... You get a bunch of a-holes who don't have any emotions. Yeah. Evolutionarily speaking. Like, I mean, I guess I get it on a species that's thing isn't about building strong communities, but just spawning a lot. In that case, it's probably better that uh, you don't have strong emotions. Yeah, because you just spawn and then leave. Yeah, and you can't form attachments because if you do, then you're just putting yourself in a position to uh, be... We're assuming that the Hynerian hiccups causes you to be more likely to die, but I think it's just annoying, like actual human hiccups. Well, they, they talk about it making it hard for him to breathe. Hiccups make it hard for you to breathe. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it's not something you would want to have were a predator around. Yeah, I guess that's true. Oh, I hate having the hiccups. It's the worst. And every time I get the hiccups... Because you think that secretly they might never end? Um, well, not secretly. I say it all the time. In fact, I was about to say it just now. (laughs) But also, that's not why they're bad. It's they are bad. And then I think about the people who had hiccups for, like, years at at a time. And I think, at what point do you think these hiccups are never going to end? Because it's already been, like, five minutes. And I hate it. Like... People dealt with this for years. At, oh, sorry. It's like my nightmare. Mm. Aaron is reporting back to Pilot about Talon. Basically, you know, Talon's not responding to Moya. Aaron is relaying what's going on on Talon. And Aaron asks Moya if she can communicate directly to Talon, like through Moya's connection to the ship. Mm. So Moya lets her do that. And she's like, hey, Talon, your mom loves you. Stop being a teenager, please. And Talon's like, no, I'm going to go to my space room and listen to uh, Space My Chemical Romance or Space Disturbed, Space Corn. Space Corn. Aaron tries to tell Moya that she needs to stop chasing Talon because that is literally how teenagers work. If you stop chasing him, he will stop running from you. But Moya cannot stop she's like yeah no i i just need to talk to him and i can't stand the thought that he's gonna take off again and john and aaron are trying to tell her you're gonna drive him away and she's like sorry i can't hear that now can't hear that moya also has a tendency to only do things that kind of screw over everyone around them i mean i I mean, she she gets to because she's their transportation, so they all kind of have to just deal with it, but... I mean, I totally get this too, right? Like, I, I can see this completely, you know? I see the, don't chase the teenager, he will run. Like, that's not how it works. And I see Moya as a mom being like, yeah, but I have to keep him safe. Like, literally, I have no choice. It's, it's built into my, like, lizard brain. Or whatever the equivalent of that is on ships. So... Aaron goes to talk to Zan, and Aaron's like, hey, so you need to stop whatever you're doing. And Zan's like, I can't. I'm becoming one with the universal love, and I love you, Aaron. And you need to love my love. Love, 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 universe, love. And Aaron's like, yeah, no, that's BS. If you love someone, you don't ignore the fact that they're in danger. You get off your blue ass and help them. Like, this higher plane stuff... It's all BS. You're just using religion as an excuse to not actually help anyone. Yeah, it's a great scene. I love this scene. Aaron's like, I reject your love if your love takes the form of not helping us. If if you're not going to fight for the people you love, your love is less than worthless to me. And it's just 
performative, and I reject it. Mm. And Zane's like, hmm. Hmm. And yet, and yet, and yet, here we are. So, Dargo's having a conversation with Crace and his Crace hole. Ah, how the turntables. Yes, yeah, see, now it is Crace who is imprisoned on Moya. Didn't we already kind of have this last episode? I don't feel like Dargo got his Crace moment. Point. Everybody got a Crace moment. Aaron got a Crace moment, but Dargo <laughs> didn't get to be like, hey, you imprisoned me. And now I imprison you. When am I going to go on my valuable life lesson adventure with Grace? Exactly. <laughs> so Grace pulls a, you know, we're not so different, you and I. You know, you love your dead wife. I love my dead brother. You grew up on a farm planet. I grew up on a farm planet. I have stupid facial hair. You have testicles on your face. These are all true facts. So... I do love how Crace is kind of just ignoring everything everyone's telling him. Like, John came to yell at him and pr- try to murder him, and Aaron, you know, trying to do her thing. And It's just people are talking at Crace, and he's like, you know, I, I, just want, I just want to take Talon and go elsewhere. I literally could not care less what any of your issues are anymore. Crace knows, though, that he has, you know, an ace in the hole, as it were. He says, Talon needs me. I can protect Talon from peacekeepers, and I'm the only one who can. And Why? Because Talon will listen to Krace, and Krace knows how to keep Talon safe. Like, if Talon, if Talon will literally not listen to anyone else, he's going to do some stupid teenager thing and get captured by Scorpius. That's just a fact. Krace knows that he is the only one Talon will listen to, so he kind of knows that they can lock him in as many cells as they want. At the end of the day, they're going to... Send him back to Talon to keep the situation under control. And it's, unfortunately, he's right. It's such circular logic, though. It's, I'm the only one who can help Talon because Talon's the, because I'm the only one Talon will listen to. Therefore, I'm the only one who can help him. No, no, no. It's, Talon is out of control and I'm the only one who can control him. Like, that's not. No, I mean, but Talon's reasoning for trusting Grace is circular. Oh, well, no. I mean, Crace, Talon trusts Crace because Crace is the one who kidnapped him. It's not circular. It's just bad. Bad teenage logic. Honestly, he should trust Aaron more than Crace, even though I know Crace has been, like, hanging out with him and buying him beer for the past however many days, months, or years. I mean, I have to think this is one of those situations where eventually the kid turns 18 and is like, oh, wait. That wasn't what I needed in my life. Or maybe like 25. The kid mm. turns 25 and I was like, oh, that isn't what I needed in my life. And then they respect everything that their mother dealt with and never talk to their father again. Mm. Yeah. So Dargo stares bitterly out the window because, yeah, Chris has got a point. They they need him because they need Talon because they need Moya. So back up. just an endless pit of need. <laughs> Back on the command carrier, uh, the lieutenant, Lieutenant Bracca, is like, okay, so the Leviathans aren't running anymore, and Scorpius is like, it appears they have no plan. It appears they have no idea what they're doing. Which is true. Mm. So Scorpius starts to move in on them, and Talon pulls out a weapon and aims it at Moya. Yeah, Talon fires on Moya, which... Not okay. Yeah, what the hell, kid? He says that, basically, he's afraid, with the command carrier being there, 
and he doesn't feel like he can do anything about the command carrier unless he has a captain on board. And so John and Aaron are like, all right, well, let's go get, let's go be a captain. And Talon says, no, he wants Crace. He, he wants, wants Fun Dad. Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it turns out Crace's uh, confidence was not unearned. I mean, this is such a, this whole plot line with Talon is such a, like, real world parent fear. Like, the whole plot line with Crace is just your teenage kid getting indoctrinated by 4chan and not listening to you anymore. Yeah. So, Moya gets fired upon and John falls face first into Gigi Edgley's breasts. Because apparently Joss Whedon co-directed this episode. I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of people falling on other people in this in this show. They they needed no Whedon in order to do that. Oh, uh. so Aaron is gonna go with Crace. The two of them are gonna go together onto onto Talon. Aaron says that she is going to stay on Talon. Like she'll bring Crace there if Talon is gonna insist on that, and she's just gonna stay there. She's gonna stay and she's gonna keep an eye on him. And she, she says what I said, right? Eventually he's going to be 25 and he's going to realize fun dad. It was not as fun as he thought. Hopefully soon because, I mean, he was just born and he's already a teenager. So soon he will mature into realizing that Grace does not have his best interests at heart. But Aaron is willing to stay on that ship for however long that takes. She's willing to be there and be the responsible mom on the ship for, you know, 10 more years if that's what they need. And John's like, no, you can't. And Aaron's like... It's weird. I, 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 I just checked and it turns out you're not my boss? Huh? And and what's this? What's this? Oh my goodness, is that a middle finger in my pocket? Oh my god, and there's another one! What's going on here? I feel like you're I feel like you're undermining how how emotional this scene is. <laughs> like you understand John loves Aaron, and Aaron loves John. Like they don't want to leave each other. It's yeah. just that Aaron's going to do what she has to do. Honestly, it feels like Aaron loves Talon way more than she loves John. Because she loves John like a boyfriend and she loves Talon like a child. Mm. That's legit. So John and Aaron have a moment in the hangar where they talk about how last time they were here, they didn't say goodbye because they didn't want it to be their last moment together. And it ended up not being their last moment together. So let's hope history repeats itself is is what they say. Yeah. Apparently, Prince has set up shop in uh, Talon because the lighting is purple as all get out. Well, it has been all, all episode. It's been really purpley lighting. Hmm. So, Talon produces this thing. The hand of friendship. It's a spiky chip that goes into the back of the neck of a person who is not a pilot hmm. and essentially makes them a pilot. Like, it connects them to the ship. Brain-wise. Yes. And Crace is like, oh, who is this for? Is this for me or for Aaron? And Talon is like, oh, it's for you, Crace. And Crace is like, great. And Aaron's like, wait, no, 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 no. Do not. No, 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 no. Let's, let's not. Let's not. But then it's too late. Your first time should be with someone special, someone you can trust, not a weird older guy who's been manipulating you the whole time. Okay, maybe adding a sexual yeah, element into Yeah, I'm uncomfortable with adding a sex metaphor into this, but... Unfortunately, it's there. I, yeah, well, now now Crace is basically a pilot. He he can control 
Talon with his mind the way the way that Pilot controls Moya, which is to say he makes strong suggestions that Talon may or may not follow. Yes. But they're more intimately linked now. And not only that, but uh if you want a less creepy thing, it's Talon giving primary custody to uh to Crace. And not just that, but they tell Aaron that they want her out. They it's, they're going to have they're going to have fun bachelor times. Fun father-son bachelor times, and they don't need a responsible woman holding them back. They're going to drink beer and stay up until 11 p.m. Aaron's like, let's see how much beer you can drink when you're dead, and she starts wailing on Crace, but then Talon just shoots his guns at her. Yeah, Crace fights her, and he kind of pushes her towards the airlock and tells her that she needs to get her prowler and get out in 50 microts, and then after that, they're going to open the thing up into space and... So basically, she's going to get off in 50 microns one way or another. It's honestly kind of heart-wrenching. Seriously, Talon is being such a D-bag. Much like Connor Angel. Much like Connor Angel. Back on Moya. They're basically the same person. No, they, they really are. Like, the parallels between what happens here and what happens on Angel are not invisible. They're... They're visible. So on Moya, the crew sees a prowler emerge from Talon and are like, uh-oh, that something didn't something did not go as planned. That's no good. Hopefully there's like an unconscious Crace on that prowler and not, oh no, it's Aaron. Womp womp. And over on Talon, Crace contacts Scorpius and is like, hey, um, I'm gonna steal this ship and I quit. And Hey, hey, look what I just found in my pocket. Oh my god, and there's another one! Okay, so that is much more appropriate to this moment than to the other one you mentioned. Yeah, he yeah. double-fistedly flips off Scorpius and then boips because he's like, and he's like, oh, and guess what? Talon can totally hyper jump or whatever it's called. Yeah, Talon starbursts away and then the Prowler arrives on Moya and Moya starbursts away. She's not following Talon though because she doesn't know where Talon is, so. Oh, and also... Uh, Chris was like, by the way, I killed John as he started bursting away. <laughs> yeah, I love I love that Scorpius is immediately like, no. yeah, no. Scorpius is like, look, Chris is a giant dickweed. If he killed John, he wouldn't tell me he killed John because he would want me to be fruitlessly pursuing John. So the only reason to tell me he killed John is that he didn't kill John. And as weird and twisted as that logic is, it's 100% sound. There is logic in what he says. So, uh, yeah, basically, Scorpius will continue to pursue John for the rest of this season and the Scorpius next one. Scorpius is gonna scorp. Scorpius is gonna scorp. And... Back on Moya, Zan is like, huh, huh, maybe, maybe this is bad. Maybe Aaron was right, and I'm kind of being a selfish jerk. Okay, it's weird because Chiana was talking about Zan becoming a priest again, although we've had this weird thing where is she a priest or isn't she? And Well, here's, here's part of the deal with Zan. Remember that when she killed her lover slash that revolutionary guy, that was an act in such an opposition to what she believes mystically that she had to spend decades in prison meditating to feel that she was spiritually pure enough to be a priest again. Hmm, so that she could fight off the madness. 
Right. And then she developed an immunity to it so she could kill all willy-nilly if she wanted to. But she wasn't just doing it pragmatically so she could fight off the madness. She was doing it because she felt that she needed to clear her soul before she was, you know, able to be a priest again. So now that she's killed, she again feels that taint on her soul. So she's starting the meditation over again. Like, it all tracks. The only thing that's confusing is that she didn't start that immediately and instead went back and forth, am I a priest or not? Yeah. But I guess she wasn't imprisoned, so she didn't have the the time to reflect on it that she did when she was in prison. Yes, Sin, you were still a priest. There. Well, I mean... You just weren't, like, an active priest. I'm going to bring it up for the first time this season. Okay. As we know, this show is basically a bunch of people playing D&D. And in D&D, if you're a cleric and you do something that is enough against your code... You fall. Well, you lose your powers. You can keep calling yourself a priest and you can keep doing, like, priest rituals, but your god won't be there giving you powers anymore. But she still had her powers. Like, she was eating Chiana's pain in, like, the episode Chiana was introduced in. You make a strong point. All right. (laughs) It was just kind of sloppy then. But... I don't know. The thing about Zan, is she a priest? Is she not a priest? Okay, you're right. It is sloppy. But it seems sloppy to me in the way that humans actually are. So I'm not upset about it. I kind of assumed that it was like a the thing with a lot of people in Catholicism where you stop like actively being Catholic and yet you are still Catholic for the rest of your life no matter what. Yeah, you, you can only be a lapsed Catholic. Well, and also, like, this year I was going Which to... Which means you could still technically give last rites, right? <sighs> isn't that the thing, like, any Catholic can give last rites? Any baptized Catholic can give last rites. Even if you're lapsed. Uh, I... I mean, are you lapsed because you're not going to church every Sunday? Or are you lapsed because you've stopped believing in the core tenets of Catholicism? I feel like if it's the latter, you probably can't give last rites. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think if it was the latter, you probably wouldn't give last rites. But... It's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 but you I know... don't know. I feel like it's the sort of thing you can do if you were ever, like, Catholic. What? Well, and by the way, we're saying you can't quit being a Catholic. That's, like, of your own volition. You can, of course, be excommunicated. Yes. And an excommunicated Catholic definitely can't give last rites because literally to be excommunicated means you are no longer in communion with the church you are excommunicated didn't like the three popes all excommunicate each other when they were vying for the papacy or whatever it's called papacy i'm unaware of that but would not be surprised you know the thing about the yes three popes. yes i'm like of course you know the thing about the three popes i am unaware if they excommunicated each other but would not be surprised that would make total sense yeah and i mean technically when you say that you're excommunicated like being told that you've been excommunicated is what people usually mean. But as I just said, being excommunicated means that you are not in communion with the church. And you are excommunicated even if no priest ever tells you that if you do certain things. Like get divorced and remarried. Mm. Oh, I'm not a Catholic anymore. Anyway. <laughs> I think quite a few people wouldn't be Catholics anymore. Well, you can you can get... Your first marriage, from a religious standpoint, you can get your first marriage nullified. That's what an annulment is. You get your marriage nullified. So that marriage didn't count. And then your second marriage is fine. Hmm. 
it the thing about Catholics is it's sometimes difficult as an American to get your mind around Catholic law because it's a lot less uh, fair. <laughs> I mean, not that I'm not to get into it, but uh, one of the things when I was studying canon law, one of the things a priest said was uh, in Catholic law, everything is forbidden, but nothing's impossible. <sighs> We can we can come up with a workaround. So, anyway, Zan is uh, talking to Dargo about how, like, look, I still believe in my faith. I'm still going to be a practicing-ish priest, but I can wait to ascend to the next level. There are people on the physical plane who need me currently, so I should hang around for them and, you know, actively contribute until Virginia Hayes can't take it anymore and has to leave the show. Yeah. And then down in Pilot's control suite, John and Aaron are kind of comforting each other about Talon. <laughs> Pilot says, uh, Talon will contact us from time to time to let us know that he's okay. We'll, uh, it'll be like, uh... Yeah, Talon sent Pilot a message that was like, hey, so I'm gonna be hanging out with Fun Dad, but I'll shoot you a line to let you know that I'm, you know, eating my space vegetables and going to space bed on space time. Yeah, so basically, I've, it, the, the phrasing is kind of awkward. It feels like Pilot telling us, so Talon's not in the show, but uh, we'll check in with him and make sure everything's okay. He's fine. Don't worry about it. Maybe their old pals, the Simpsons, will drop in from time to time while we have our adventures. I was fighting that reference so hard. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. We make fun of John for making all these references. Like, who is that for? But are we any better? Yes. You think we wouldn't make these references in space? Oh, no, we would, but we're making them to people who get them. Or you, you think that makes a difference? You think we wouldn't make them if we were surrounded by people who didn't get them? Uh, well, we'd be making them to each other, and we'd get them. Oh, fair. Fair. Are we better than John? Yes, but not by enough. <laughs> <laughs> to keep quoting Futurama. Or to jump from one macaroni show to another. Anyway... Anyway, John and Aaron are comforting each other because, you know, Talon. Uh, Aaron is hopeful because Crace didn't outright kill her. He shot her out of the ship but gave her a second to get into her prowler. And yeah, she wants to redemption arc Crace. She wants to believe that he's not the worst person in the world and that Talon will be okay. That's a little different than redemption arcing him. Yeah. And John's like, but you know how much Crace sucks and she's like, Jesus Christ, John, I need this so bad. Leave it alone. Let me have this tiny, tiny bit of hope. And that's where we're going to leave them. The end. For now. For now. So, I was kind of on this episode. It felt kind. It felt real table setting, which, fine. It, it... Actually, it didn't feel table setting so much as it felt, oh. like cleaning up a table after a party this episode feels like a redo of the, of last season's finale yeah it's basically the same episode as last time but slightly different yeah i wasn't a huge fan i mean i would be more of a fan of this episode if we if this was the episode instead of family ties hmm. i mean i loved family ties so no i guess i wouldn't be yeah i, I was about to say i feel like family ties is the stronger episode yeah, but I just, it it just doesn't set up what's I'm what I'm guessing is going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So they just need to get everyone where they need to be. Yeah, but 
It's so awkward because, yeah, it's a table-clearing episode. You know what this oddly reminds me of is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay, so I can see that. You're aware that Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy started life as a radio show and not a novel? Yes. Okay. Radio show, novel, TV show, movie. I mean, there's lots of things in between there, but yes. Yes. It's been everything. It's been everything. Uh, there is a, a moment where... Ford and Arthur are pushed out of a spaceship into the middle of space. They are floating in the middle of space. They have five seconds to be found by someone or they will die. Improbability drive. It is literally the end of... It, that is, I, I wasn't even thinking when I started this story. That's literally how the last season ended. And uh, if you read the scripts to the radio show, there a book came out, I think in the 90s. That's when I read it. Maybe it came out earlier. But it was the radio scripts annotated by Douglas Adams. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how he wrote that script because he thought it was an amazing cliffhanger ending. And then he realized he had no idea how to get them out. And he invented the concept of the improbability drive as like an Aikido move where you take your weakness and you make it a strength. Because everything he came up with was too improbable. So he invented the improbability drive. And... That's kind of what happened here, except instead of inventing the improbability drive, we invented disjointed what is time structure of the episodes, and we were like, they were rescued, don't worry about it. Alright, so, uh, our segments. Do we have segments, really, this week? I mean, I have a couple. Uh, one, our first segment is a distant part of the universe, which is what world building worked for you. See, I actually want to say that I appreciated the Hynerian hiccups. I appreciated that we took an alien and we gave them, like, a weird bodily difference from humans that wasn't gross. I mean, I feel like we need to acknowledge that when it happens, because usually it's something gross. And I don't like that. No helium farts this time. Exactly. Uh, but then our second segment is Strange Alien Creatures, which we will skip because there was nothing new this week. Yep. Which brings us to uh, looking for a way home. What emotionally worked for you? Honestly, the Aaron stuff, I feel like it's my go-to thing, but the Aaron stuff, the betrayal she felt when Talon chose ponytail guy, Crace, over her. Like, God, I just felt so bad for Aaron. And seriously, Talon, grow the hell up. Yeah. I mean, my favorite moment with Aaron, you're right, it is all Aaron. The most emotional moment with Aaron was probably the end with John, but my favorite one was when she called out Zan. Yeah, that was also really cool. Yeah. So it's just Aaron. It's Aaron all the way down. Yeah. Our next episode is called Vetus Mortis, and the description from Amazon Prime is, An old Luxon holy woman's death ritual requires Dargo's help, and perhaps Dargo's life as well. I thought you were going to get, like, fake excited that Dargo might die, but then you know I know he he's won't. not going to die. He's in the cartoon episode, which is, like, five seasons from now, so. <laughs> All right, so that'll about do it for this week. That will do it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate. 
If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Bwah, bwah, bwah.